Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and today we are diving into a study on how to deal with resentments. Now, we hear a lot about resentments as we get into the big book. Our big book says resentment is the number one offender. And I don't know who's offended, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's me. Or what, what, what does he mean by offender? Well, I think what he's saying is holding on to resentments, holding on to ill feeling, holding on to being hurt in the past, holding on to pain, grudges, the wish for revenge, sets up the, the platform for, well, you know, one drink won't hurt me. You know, sets up the delusion that actually alcohol really did help me sleep. I'll I'll just have it for the weekend and it'll be fun. And then I'll get back to that AA business. Resentment is the number one offender because it justifies our actions that end up, of course, hurting other people. So we want to deal with resentments and we're not the only ones that want to deal with resentments. And our book, really doesn't tell us exactly how to deal with resentments. It gives us the four-step process to identify them and find our part played. And then we get into the exact nature of our wrongs. You know, how do I keep conjuring up these resentments? Why is it that I land in this boat over and over and over again? How do I do something spiritual up front? How do I change that? And it, it takes us through the process, which are steps three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine so that we can do exactly that in our lives. Even so, there's a famous thing in the big book that doesn't seem to get that much talk. And it was something provided to AA by an article in a magazine. So it's like fifth party to AA somehow. And it occurs in a story in the AA big book called Freedom from Bondage. And when we read the story, we learn about a person who's really stuck in the bondage of alcoholism and all its typical consequences and then there's a discovery. How do I get out of this resentment thing, right? And she had a resentment against her mother. And she'd had it for ever, you know? She fed it and fanned it, she said, you know, like you would a hot flame. So think about that, you know? A resentment is a hot fire. And you're like, I'm going to make this even worse. I'm going to continue to think about it and feed it the attention and hatred that it requires in order to remain alive in me. I'm going to feed it. And now all of a sudden, she's in AA, and she cannot let it go. It just rolls around in her mind, and she's like, man. And she has what, what I like to call a disruptive realization. She realized that she had to get rid of it, for her time of reprieve was running out, is what she says in her story. And what does she mean by that? That that stay from death was going to not hold her sober if she doesn't do away with this number one offender called resentment. Hmm. So self-righteousness in the story and self-pity runs around in this story. Self-sufficiency runs around in this story. And things just get to a point where she's like, ugh. And so during the day, she picks up a magazine that a friend bought for her. And she opens that magazine and she reads something from a preacher named Norman Vincent Peale. And for her, this is a life changer. And we're going to talk about how perhaps it's a life changer for you as well. So few people know about this and you seldom hear it suggested in meetings as people express their grievances and open discussions. So if you're looking for a way to bring the big book back into an open discussion meeting, it's often very easy just to be patient and keep this on your mind. 
because someone's going to share how they don't like some principal institution or person in their life, that they resent them, that they're either hurt, frustrated, embarrassed, angry, whatever, with this thing, and they don't know how to get rid of it, or oftentimes appear to somehow maybe maniacally enjoy it, because self-righteousness has a way of framing up for me an enjoyment of being angry and very darn right, right? So she says this, and it, we're just this is just setting it. it. says, one morning, however, I realized I had to get rid of it, meaning her resentment toward her mother, for my reprieve was running out. And if I didn't get rid of it, I was going to get drunk. So the stay from death reprieve was running out. She could sense this resentment. My guess is she's having those thoughts like, well, one drink won't hurt me. This is too hard to do. I was better off drinking, right? Hmm, I was going to get drunk and I didn't want to get drunk anymore. There's that want. That willingness can come across in these stories or in your own story as want, the word want. Hmm, in my prayers that morning, oh, so she paused and prayed and asked. In my prayers that morning, I asked God to point out to me some way to be free of this resentment. I ask God. That's exactly the solution the big book proposes to us over and over again. That when we are confronted, when there is confusion, when there is disruption, when we are emotionally disturbed, whatever, I am to pause, pray, and ask God for direction. And it will come. And if it doesn't come immediately, be patient. It will over time. Another, and we do another podcast on this, another concept in here is acceptance. She brought about the disruptive realization that she must be rid of this resentment or she may well get drunk again and does not want to. And she's faced with a challenging solution, which lands her into the tool, the, the skill sets that come from the working of the steps. And that is to pause, pray, ask, be patient, wait on an answer, and then to carry out that answer that our intentions don't matter, but our actions do. So she says, during the day, a friend of mine, remember that morning she got up and said, I'm done with this resentment. During the day, a friend of mine brought me some magazines to take to a hospital group I was interested in. I looked through them, a banner across one featured an article by a prominent clergyman in which I caught the word resentment. All right, so this is Norman Vincent Peale. Norman Vincent Peale, if you ever get a chance to Google him or whatever, is a hilarious speaker, and he brings a lot of beautiful light, a lot of beautiful light to a spiritual way of life. You don't have to believe that religion to get a lot out of what Norman Vincent Peale had to say. And she goes on and says, he said, in effect, so this is not a quote necessarily directly out of the article, even though it's in quotes. This is her quoting what she gleaned from the article. So this is her quote. It's in effect what he said, not exactly what he said. If you have a resentment you want to be free of, so if you have something that's bothering you, if there's something that you remember from being a kid or something that happened earlier today, and it's on your mind, and you want it to go away, you don't like feeling how you feel, and you want the safety of spiritual living, you want that protective spiritual living that'll keep you from drinking or drugging again, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. 
if you will free them from your judgment and angst and lack of forgiveness, it's you that ends up free. Hmm. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself, in other words, you're willing to give away what you have, what you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free when you quit holding on to the spiritual pride, the pride of self, the pride of all these things that keep us from this very solution. It's you that's free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you, who will be free? You will be free even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway, even if you don't mean it, even if you don't really want it for them and it's just a bunch of empty words. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. So if you're sitting there arguing with yourself, hey, this is ridiculous, Dan Dan. I, I heard somebody say 552. I read that like three years ago and that doesn't work. I read it and I, I don't want this form. Do you know what they did to me? Do you realize what happened? Do you realize how bad this is? Do you know what they did to them? Do you realize what they threatened in other people's lives, how they hurt them, how they destroyed a life? Do you realize that? And what I would say to that to you is, do you realize that you're an alcoholic and have reaped that same pain on a lot of people? Do you realize that? Do you realize that we as alcoholics drag people right on into the dirt with us? right on into the damn dirt, right alongside with us. No one hits a bottom all alone. We just have that perception. Other people gave up on us before they went as far as we have with us. And that's not always true. A lot of us alcoholics drag kids, family members, friends, bosses, right on into the dirt with us. We stole from them and lied to them. Yeah. Think about it. This is, this is the answer this is what people did for us. This is what people were praying for us. They prayed that we would stop drinking. Some of us had relatives that prayed that we'd find their religion. Others thought that just, you know, if they could just quit, things would be okay. They admired our intellect. They admired the things that are helping you resist this very idea. So again, if you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, because there were people that thought that about you. You will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free, even when you don't really want it for them. And your prayers are only words, and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks. And I don't know what's magical about two weeks. I've heard people do this for months. I've heard of people that get relief right away. And you will find that you have come to mean it and to want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. Woo. So I'm, I'm hurt, right? Something's happened in my life and I'm fearful for whatever reason. A great acronym for fear I like to use is friends, enemies, associates and relatives, those are the things that I resent. There's some institutions, and of course, there are some principles that I resent. And maybe it's this principle right here. The idea of forgiveness, for instance, is no longer wishing the past were different. And when we get into that idea, we, we fall back into acceptance. Acceptance is the pivot point, the fulcrum, the moment 
of a disruptive realization, usually noticing my own part, how I was wrong. What am I doing that is injurious to me and others? And I step away from the selfish nature, the self-righteousness, the self-pity, the pride in reverse called vainglory in our book, right? And I move into a challenging solution. And that challenging solution is right here that I'm going to pray for someone to get what I want in my mind. I'm going to picture some of them therapy people might call it cognitive emotional imagery, right? I'm going to connect my thoughts and my feelings and an image of me giving to them these things that I want for myself. I'm going to picture and hope for their prosperity and their health and their well-being. It's a really challenging idea for us, even though sitting in AA, sitting in an AA meeting, knowing there's an AA meeting later on this evening I'm going to go to, and there's people there that genuinely care about my well-being, I will still resist this. I don't like it. I don't want to think that there's any chance that this will work. Though the author makes the claim that not only will it work, that I'll move from this angry, bitter, hateful framework into a contented, loving, and compassionate understanding of this person. Wow. I don't want them to have that, right? (laughs) They've been awful. I don't want them to have a compassionate, I don't want a compassionate understanding of this person. I want to hate them. I want them to get their own coming. So we get into the idea of revenge and all sorts of stuff in here if we want to. We're going to dive really deep if we want to. But instead of that, let's let's simplify it way down. What this is telling me is this. When I quit thinking about how much I dislike them and I become hopeful and I think about hope for them, hope that's been freely given to me, and I wish to share it with them. If I can turn my thoughts from how stupid or mean or ugly or cruel they are and move it to, if only they could find what I find. If only they could travel a spiritual path. If only they could feel better. That I might be able to find the time to do this remarkable thing. And that is make amends. Make amends for my part played that I run this person I resent through the four-step process. I recognize my part played. I see how my very character, my very nature plays into it. I make a decision to definitely make amends, and then I go and I do it. And I express to them my ill feelings and my regrets for my actions, as our book instructs. And when I do that, what a power that has. And you know what often has happened to me in this process is I either get a glimpse of or sometimes a very long, drawn-out version in great detail of a story of some element or even possibly their whole life story, right, of some element of their life, and my whole perspective on them and how I was treated changes. The whole thing changes when I become interested in my fellow man and not so interested in me and my little plans, when I become interested in being God in the situation and not being great and right in the situation, I open doors, I turn that key of willingness, and my thoughts and actions become that of God. I turn my will, my life, my thoughts and actions over to care of God. My thoughts and actions become an effort to serve. I do the seventh step. I come out to do God's bidding. I begin to see them as not condemnation of me, but an opportunity to serve. That's how resentments go away. 
I may never, ever talk to the person again so long as our ninth step tells me, so long as I remain willing if the opportunity were to come up to serve this person and I'm going to do it, I'm good. And I'm free. And I'm free. And I don't have to live with anger anymore. And I don't have to walk around feeling depressed. The interesting thing about resentments is they hide in me. They, they disappear into my constitution somehow. And all the while they're weighing on me. And I'd like to put it out like this, that resentments are like pebbles and, and you got a backpack on, right? And you bump into this thing that disturbs you somehow and you don't want to go through the acceptance process. You're like, I'm not praying for that jerk. You know, I'm not doing it. And you throw that pebble in your backpack. And as you go through life, you get very comfortable. Some are a little heavier. You know, the real boulders get dealt with because you can't lift them and throw them in your backpack. But it's the little things. It's the little nicks in life, little nicks in serenity, little nicks in spiritual living that are constantly coming at us. And eventually you'll put enough of those stones, those pebbles, those small rocks in the backpack that you can't carry it anymore. And you've got to do something with it. It just weighs you down. You say, I put all that stuff behind me. Well, that's true. You did. You dropped it behind you in the backpack that you're carrying. You can no longer see it. You can't identify it, but it is a burden on you and it weighs you down. One by one, we want to sort these things out and begin to leverage this very idea that if I pray for them to get what I want, if I pray for them to have the things I am after, I will be free. Each time taking one of those stones out and examining it, running it through the tools of the steps to find out my part played to discover how I can turn this into an opportunity to serve God and my fellow man. How do I become of maximum use to God and the others about me? That's what this prayer is about. Not about just being free of anger. It will do that. Not just about getting better spiritually or greater spiritual fitness, though it will do that too. Not about getting spiritually stronger or more God-conscious so you don't go around with these resentments for a long time, though it will definitely do that too. Ultimately, it's about establishing an opportunity to literally play God or to be the only big book that somebody ever sees, to be the spiritual person that walks love into hateful situations, peace into angry situations, as our 11th step prayer guides us to do. So when we think of page 552 and we think of the instructions on how to deal with a resentment, we want to remember this. It comes from a lady who has a resentment with her mother, a really deep, personal, intimate relationship. Whether, whether or not you have it with your mom or not doesn't stand. The point being that this is a most difficult thing to solve. And she comes across a magazine article after following the instructions, the basic instructions of how to deal with resentment and how to find an answer, which is to pause, pray, ask for guidance, and then be patient on the answer. It will come. And then found success. Running across this news article as a result of somebody else, that good orderly direction of God began to play itself out in her life. And one could even argue that the solution was already in motion. It was her willingness. She turned the key of willingness. And so she became aware of it. And the word resentment about this one article in this one haphazard magazine that a friend randomly handed to her becomes a source of insight that solves her problem and offers all of us a specific set of directions on how to achieve 
the same result. She goes on to say, it worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time, every time I am what? Willing, that crazy word that pops up all the time. I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always, always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. She's elated to share this. What a beautiful thing. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. Wow. This great experience has released me, released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous and everything I need, I get. Life on life's terms, acceptance of difficult problems with challenging solutions, disruptive realizations, challenging solutions. We can go to our friends in AA. We can go to our big book. We can go to our spiritual and religious text, get answers. And without living in the intention or feeding the animal, fanning the flames of resentment, we can step out into this world and do God's bidding because we know, we know that this works. And if you don't believe it, the evidence is all around you. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all of the time. And so ends her story. What an amazing story. When I get what I need, it's really what I wanted, but I can't identify that for it's difficult. So what you can talk about today is what are the roadblocks to solving your resentments? Or another great topic to talk about is how to identify a resentment. In our big book, it talks about resentments being the number one offender, and it dives into the four step, but it's a little bit later in the text that it outlines resentment and expands its definition away from unresolved anger into things that hurt me or where I'm judgmental or where I'm just disrupted. And how does the idea of acceptance, meaning I have a disruptive realization and a challenging solution, which this, this prayer, this idea that Norman Vincent Peale shared with this AA member could easily be just that for you, a disruptive realization that there is an answer to the hatred, anger, pain you feel from some past event, and it is challenging. I want to remind you before we get into this discussion, and we talk bad about other people because the temptation is there to do that. That that other people, the way you see them is something inside of you. And nobody came to AA without hurting other people, without putting other people in danger, without living a double and dishonest life. So keeping that in mind, humbly discuss your resentments and work towards how you resolve them, leveraging the tools of our fantastic program. I hope that you have a great discussion.